Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. It's back to school season, and today we're here to discuss the year ahead. Today, we'll hear from school administrators and school board members with some hopes, goals, and advice for the coming school year. We will be joined by Dr. Shanessa Fenner, the principal of W.T. Brown Elementary School in Cumberland County, Dr. Patrick Green, the principal of Green Central High School in Green County, Dr. Aaron Fleming, superintendent of Harnett County Schools, and Ronnie Dossey, the school board chair of the Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools Board of Education. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so pleased today to be joined by Dr. Shanessa Fenner, principal of W.T. Brown Elementary School in Cumberland County, and Dr. Patrick Green, principal of Green Central High School in Green County. Thank you both for joining us. Patrick, across North Carolina, most of our educators and students are in back to school mode. What are you thinking about as this school year kicks off? So I think we're all just excited about new beginnings, about new opportunities. Um, it, it's good to not be talking about everything post-COVID for the first time in a while. So I think we're just thinking about getting back to new goals and, and not escaping old things. I love it. Um, Shanessa, what's on your mind? Well, I'm excited for the babies to come back. I miss them. I can't wait to see them. Of course, we can't wait to dive into those standards and build those beautiful relationships with them. And also, I want them to bond with their teachers and get to know the parents very well. And we have a lot of great events and great things planned for this year at WT Brown. Wonderful. I can feel the energy from both of you. Um, Patrick, is a high school principal preparing students to transition through the K through 12 system and on to their future pathways, what are some of the priorities for you and your staff? I think for us, it's getting to know the 800 kids that are in our school um, because each kid has a, a different set of needs and a different goal for what happens to them after high school. And our biggest job is to, to know what that goal is, know how that goal changes over the four years of high school, and then how to get them to where they want to be. Um, and, you know, one size doesn't fit all for anybody anymore, um, especially in schools. So the, having that personal understanding of every student and what they want and what they need to get there is essential to making that goal happen. Thank you so much. And Shanessa, as you're thinking about having the younger students, do you have particular areas of focus? Yes, of course. I want to first and foremost Focus on those relationships, getting to know our babies, getting to know them in intricate detail, know their strengths, know the areas that we need to work on, get to know every little thing about them so that we can teach them better. I always talk with my teachers about the importance of doing those getting to know you activities, letting the babies know that you care. And the more that you know about them and they feel that authenticity from you, they will give and do their very best. Wonderful. I love your focus that you both have on understanding your students. Now, Shanessa, studies have shown that students can benefit from having educators whom they identify with. Do you think being a woman of color has impacted how you lead as a principal? Yes, yes, it has impacted me. Um, as, as a Black female leader, it is important for students to see, of course, their principal that looks like them. My school is basically minority, and not only they need Black teachers as well to identify with them. I love when my little Black girls tell me now, I want to be a principal just like you, Dr. Fenner. 
And it's very important, Marianne, to also teach them to love the skin that they're in. You know, there's so many stereotypes about our black babies. So I want them to love the skin that they're in, know that they're valued, know that they're worthy, know that they're important, and they can do anything that they put their mind to. Thank you. And Patrick, I'm curious how you're really helping your teachers be prepared this year. So yeah, it, it, it's every year understanding that you've got a whole new set of beginning teachers, people who are new to our rural community, um, who may not know and understand the, the people within it yet. So it's a lot of introductions of uh, students to teachers, teachers to students, and getting them all to understand and appreciate the backgrounds that our students come from and the challenges that they face, but also the successes that they've had. Um, and know that, that that foundation is there for them to build on. Um, so that's really what school culture is all about. It's the, the ocean we swim in every day and everything that makes it up. So anytime we introduce new people to that, um, it's getting them to swim in that ocean and, and live in that culture so that they can be successful too. Just listening to both of you, I can feel, I can sense the cultures in your buildings, but I know there's also challenges that not just the last few years, but especially the last few years have created. And I'm just curious, Patrick, what challenges are you thinking about right now? You know, we still continue to have challenges with hiring for teachers. Um, our hallmark has always been personalization uh, in, a, in a small rural community. We get to know our people. We care about our people. We take care of our people um, a lot more interpersonally than some bigger districts can. So we lean on that pretty well. But getting people in the door and, and wanting to be excited about teaching is more difficult now than ever before. Um, so we're having to be creative in, in who we look to. And when you bring in people from non-traditional education backgrounds, that means they need even more support than they, have, they would have needed as a traditional beginning teacher out of a ed prep program. So that's that falls on us and, and district leaders to provide that level of support, to build them up so that we can keep them and make them successful in their classrooms. And Patrick, you're definitely not alone. We're hearing about that across the state, just trying to get enough teachers, enough highly qualified teachers in the classrooms. And while it varies district to district, it seems to be pervasive in all of our counties across the state. Shanessa, what is your experience with bringing teachers in, but also other challenges you might be facing this year? Yes, it is a challenge to bring teachers in. Other challenges that, of course, are on the forefront of my thoughts all the time would be the academic level of my babies. My teachers and my instructional coach and my assistant principal and I are always planning, having those effective PLCs and planning that strategic work and small group instructions for my babies. So we always have the task of meeting the babies where they are and bringing them up to where they need to be. But we want to make sure that it, that instruction is strategic and it's laser-like and, of course, it's personalized for our babies. Thank you. And Patrick, you're wrapping up. Um, your time is our state principal of the year. And we were just curious, what did you learn? Because I know in that experience, you visited a lot of schools and met with a lot of principals. I did. And it, what it has taught me is that successful classrooms look the same everywhere. Um, I spent a lot of time, I've, I've always worked in high school as a high school teacher, a high school assistant principal, and always been a high school principal, but I spent a lot of time in elementary classrooms. 
And I see that everything that they do with small group instruction and individualized instruction in those classrooms is 100% translatable to a 17-year-old in a high school math class. Um, so there's a lot that can be learned from each other and, and how we deliver instruction. But good instruction looks the same everywhere in every region, whether you're an urban or a rural school, you're affluent or in high need. Um, it, you can find great educators meeting the needs of kids in all of those places. I love that. And I've always seen the exact same thing. So in our last moment together, what gives you hope? Shanessa? To see my baby's faces and to know that they can be whatever they want to be. They just light up the room when they walk in the building. And it just feels good to have an awesome staff at W.T. Brown Elementary School and to know that we're going to work together. We have that collective efficacy at our school and we're going to do whatever we have to do to make sure that our babies are successful. So that gives me hope. Again, I'm gonna echo that the same in elementary schools looks the same in high schools. Uh, we look forward to seeing our students every year. We, we know that we, I have 191 seniors to welcome in on Monday, and I know that we will graduate 191 of them in June when we're done with this school year. And seeing them and knowing that this is their last first day of high school and celebrating each and every one of those moments along the way with them is just a tremendous joy to walk with them. Well, Patrick, think of me because I have my youngest as a senior too. And I just want to share what gives me hope because I look at leaders like both of you who have, could do anything and have decided to devote their careers to education, to educators and students and families. And we are lucky. So thank you so much for what you do and all you're going to do this year. After the break, we will be joined by Harnett County School Superintendent, Dr. Aaron Fleming, and Chapel Hill's Carborough City School Board of Education Chair, Ronnie Dossey. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. We are so honored today to be joined by two phenomenal leaders, Dr. Aaron Fleming, the Superintendent of Harnett County Schools, and Ronnie Dossey, the chair of the Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools Board of Education. Welcome to both of you. I'd love to hear from both of you about, as we kick off the school year next week, what is top of mind for you? Ronnie? Well, thanks for the question, Marianne. I'm excited to be here, always interested in talking about education. I would say I'm excited what's going well and in the absence of state investment, we've seen our local communities really step up to support public schools. We've got uh, strong teachers and school staff who care about students and are working really hard to meet student needs. Uh, and I'm hearing more about community engagement and advocating for increased resources to meet student needs. So I'm excited about that. And Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools, we're really proud of our student engagement and interest in learning and how our young people are showing up to engage in advocacy and how our teachers and staff and leaders are invested in continuing to improve our student outcomes and really focusing on making sure our students, staff, community members, and all of us engaged in education are and feel safe in our schools. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Erin, how about you? 
Yeah, we're really excited in Harnett County to get ready for school as we continue to, uh, of course, move beyond the pandemic. Uh, we really have a sense, as I've talked to principals today and even some teachers, about how they just feel really renewed over this past summer. Uh, for us to have a fresh start, uh, to move forward, uh, both academics, opportunities for students. We do have some new school buildings, and so we're very excited uh, for what this school year has to begin. Uh, we do have some vacant uh just like several school districts uh most of ours are in bus drivers are in uh, support staff uh, child nutrition teacher assistants or custodial and maintenance areas but uh we really are ready to go full force uh, and and unfortunately we do have to add some extra tasks uh, until we can get all those uh positions filled so you bring up an issue I was hoping to talk a little bit about because we are hearing about teacher vacancies being a bit persistent um, in recent years and knowing that some school districts are continuing to struggle with those challenges. I'm just curious, how is that playing out along with these other vacancies that you mentioned in Harnett? We really had to step up our recruitment efforts. Uh, we've had to go some non-traditional routes with advertising nationally. You know, it was just a few years ago, we might have to go out of state to a job fair or two and try to recruit teachers, and, and we would be able to fill our vacancies that way. But we've had to go uh, to some international staffing solutions. We've had to go... Um, uh, to billboards and more uh, even uh, phone calls. Uh, we, we've had to do a lot of different things in addition to those typical uh, job fairs. And it has paid off, uh, but it is harder to find teachers today. Ronnie, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit with you about is Senate Bill 49, which was dubbed the Parents' Bill of Rights. I'm curious as to how you expect that will impact school operations. Yeah, so we're still looking at the details of the legislation and, and how to implement that in our district. But what I will say is, I think I continue to be frustrated that our state is focusing on intruding in people's personal decisions at a time when we don't even have a state budget that's finals. Uh, we're starting schools, most of the public schools return in uh, Monday. And we don't have a budget. And so we don't know, uh, to Dr. Fleming's point, you know, what we will be able to pay our teachers and staff. Uh, and that's causing really significant challenges in recruitment and retention. Uh, and so I think uh, it just continues to um, be very surprising why the legislature is choosing where they're focusing when there are so many other needs. I think, uh, you know, that kind of a bill is going to cause significant harm to our children uh, and damage our state reputation. You know, North Carolina has historically been a, known as a strong education state. Uh, and now the story is coming out about where we're focusing and where our legislature is putting their energy are not positive. And I think, um, you know, as I talk to business leaders across the state, uh, we're hearing challenges of having people want to come to North Carolina to live here and to be employees and to bring their children to be educated in the schools. And uh, I just continue to be concerned about where they're focusing when we know what the needs are around investment in public education and teachers and social workers and psychologists and nurses and bus drivers and all of the needs that public schools have. You bring up so many important issues. And I know one of those, as you mentioned, that's underlying is that we don't yet have a budget in our state. And I know from time when I served on a school board, just how challenging that was from a perspective of planning. And I'm curious, Erin, how that plays out in your district, because you've also, just like every district in our state, had to start your fiscal year without a budget. 
We did, and and, and our students, uh, our teachers are back, of course, and our students will start Monday. And on the operations side, not a whole lot has changed. We're able to use last year's allotments to uh, open school, uh, and with a continued state budget, we're able to operate school just fine. Probably the biggest challenge we're seeing right now is we do have new teachers asking what the, the raise for teachers will be and state employees will be. And while we somewhat have a range from from the budgets we really don't know uh the precise number uh so we do operate off of last year's teacher pay scale uh pay scale uh and uh we're hoping that uh, of course those raises will kick in once the budget uh is passed uh, and signed but we um right now we're business as usual and and uh, we'll hopefully here in a few weeks know uh, what the final numbers are very helpful um, thank you for sharing that. And Ronnie, we know that you have chosen to seek another term with the Chapel Hill Carborough City School Board after already serving, this is, I believe, your eighth year. And we're just curious, what drives you to do that? Education is so fundamental to solving a lot of community issues, Marianne. And I've always had a deep, deep interest in being involved in the process to support students, support families, and support our community health. And so as I think about what's before us with response, you know, how do we um, respond in this environment of uncertainty around funding and support for public schools? I wanna make sure that my voice continues to be in that conversation. I wanna bring my experience to that conversation. I also think uh, there are four seats open on our board. There is some value and some continuity in uh, helping to continue to move our strategic plan helping to make the necessary decisions to really build the structures to support students in the Chapel Carbo City Schools and beyond, because we really care about students across the state. So it's not just that we want our kids to do well. Our kids are all the state kids and we want them all to be successful. That's very, very important and helpful. Um, Aaron, you know, you're we so appreciate the leadership you bring and your, I think, calm and patient approach to all the work. And I know that you must draw on a lot of, of hope, right, to uh, put all the effort it takes to be a superintendent. And we've seen tremendous turnover this year in the superintendency. So I didn't know if you had any comments on leadership turnover in general. And then I want to make sure we also end on what is that big source of hope for you? Yeah, and, and there has a, it's certainly a stressful job, as people say, it has its days, but we uh, here in Harnett County particularly know that we have so much to look forward to. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities uh, coming into the county, we're growing, uh, and really what gives me hope is knowing that every day we have an opportunity uh, to prepare students to become productive citizens, no matter what they do, uh, and uh, we've got a real big push, uh, one, to uh, have when our students do graduate high school, have them come on back and teach in Harnett County, but even if they don't, we want them to come back home or stay within the, the growing triangle region and the growing sand hills region. And so really that's what I, every day when I wake up, the first thing I, I really do think about is while we're able to provide so many opportunities that I know others uh, would like to have uh, in North Carolina, across the country and really across the world. And so that's what gives me hope. Um, but sure, they're going to be tough days. And uh, I hope, uh, I think I'm starting now my seventh year here uh, in Harnett County, which is hard to believe. Um, but <laughs> I, I think about how many more things I still have to check off that list uh, while I have that opportunity to be here. And so I'm very fortunate and very fortunate to have the, the leadership and the staff in this school district we have and we're able to serve our students. I knew it had been a bit, but I hadn't realized it was starting your seventh year. So that's that's phenomenal. And Ronnie, I'm going to let you end us with what brings you hope as we go into the school year. 
I would say what brings me hope is the children. Uh, as a parent of four, I have deep interest in how education works for all children. And again, thinking about those connections that we have to each other, not just my children, but all the children. Uh, and so when I see how interested they are in education and uh, despite the issues that adults are presenting to them, they continue to focus on what's in front of them. And I think we could all take a lesson from that. And that gives me hope. And I would also say, you know, looking at people like uh, like Aaron, uh, you know, continuing to do the work to educate students in really challenging environments with high uncertainty and our teachers and staff and our superintendent, Dr. Nyer Hamlet um, and her strong leadership. All of that gives me hope that we've got the right people in place um, to make changes around education in North Carolina. Well, thank you both. I always say getting to work in education is such a gift with the people and grateful for both of you and hope that um, this beginning to the school year is just a tremendous um, kickoff for a great year. So thank you both for joining us. Thank Thanks you for so having me. And, yeah, and continuing your work to support education. Thank, thank you. you. After the break, this week's final word. Parents and research tell us again and again that they care about the safety and mental health of their children, first and foremost, and they care about their public schools. One of the most central purposes of our state government is to support a strong system of public schools that will pave the way for a strong democracy, society, and economy. Yet over the past few weeks alone, we've heard so many proposed bills recommended ideas and other rhetoric that seems to forget that why. All the while, we do not have a state budget. So each and every one of our 116 school districts started their fiscal year on July 1 and now the school year without a firm budget in place. Kids matter. It is in the best interest of every North Carolina resident to invest in our children, our families, and our communities. Teachers matter. Teachers are the number one school-related factor influencing student outcomes. We have an unprecedented shortage of teachers across our state, affecting public, charter, and private schools alike. Last year, there were over 5,000 public school educator vacancies, impacting thousands and thousands of students. Despite the amazing efforts and impact of our teachers, our pipeline is dwindling and will not come close to meeting the demand. Yet North Carolina's beginning teachers make $37,000 on the state salary schedule. In May, the North Carolina Senate proposed a budget that only includes a 4.5% average raise over two years, with only $250 for our teachers with 15 or more years of experience. While the budgets presented by the North Carolina House and Governor have stronger compensation proposals, the final budget has yet to be passed by the legislature and the recommended conference compensation has not yet been shared. Budgets matter. No business would start the fiscal year without a budget, yet once again, our school districts are beginning their year without a budget. They do not know how much money they will have, but they are expected to be prepared to serve every child. Uncertainty around funding hampers school districts' ability to hire staff, update curriculum, and implement programs that ensure our students' success. School districts are multi-million dollar enterprises and often the largest employer in each county, yet they must go into the year without full knowledge of what they can spend to educate their children, which is further complicated by the cliff from COVID relief. This summer, North Carolina was yet again ranked number one in business by CNBC, 
No doubt our current workforce benefited from stronger investment in and support of public education in decades past. We cannot expect our state's economy to continue to thrive if we are going backwards in efforts to educate our children. Neglecting our public schools not only compromises the future of our children, but also undermines our state's ability to compete on a national and global level. As other states continue to invest in their public schools, North Carolina risks falling behind. We must unite in our commitment to a high quality education for all kids that leads us to a prosperous future for our state. Kids matter. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.